You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Looking on the bright side here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine. And you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Most importantly, though, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns, where you can tell me your favorite campaign moment from Game 2. That is what we are here to talk about. We are joined this week, uh, or, or, or for this game, rather, by Brandon. You know him as Zona on Twitter. He is at AZ Sports Zone over there. And filling in on our Game 2 recap after uh, a little bit of travel snafu, I think we were all uh, dealing with the early start and the uh, the home game experience on that one. Brandon, you're not much of a live tweeter, so I actually don't know much of how you feel uh, coming off this 109-102 Game 2 loss, but give it to me. What's your, what's your thoughts off the top here? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty expected that the Lakers were going to come and, uh, you know, try to punch them in the mouth. And I was like pleasantly surprised with how the Suns responded. It just, you know, the, the end of the game kind of uh, slipped away. And that's, that's what the Lakers have done in the past, just closing out these, these ugly wins. So, um, you know, now all you got to do is go to LA, take one of those two and you regain home court and easier said than done. But I think uh, there are some positives to take from this game. Um, But overall, you know, I think, you know, just the fight that this team showed is encouraging because this is one of those games where you could easily hang your hat and just kind of, fold and they didn't so that's definitely a positive to take for sure we'll we'll follow a similar format here folks to what we usually do uh the the kind of main takeaways from the game here at the top some positive some good stuff to build on in segment two and then close out the show with what needs to improve what what could we see we'll also have obviously tomorrow's show to continue to talk about that and then a recap of game three coming off thursday night but uh, reminder, guys, today, today's show is brought to you by Locker Room, which is the best and only real social audio app for diehard sports fans. So check out Locker Room on any platform. Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. We'll have more from them in a moment. But uh, I agree with you. I don't think it's anything to hang anybody's hat on. I don't think that uh, it, it's – I don't really think there's anything – to be ashamed of from the Suns here at all. I mean, there's obviously some some places to grow, um, but but yeah, I, I feel like 109-102, it was a close game. They actually had the lead in the fourth quarter, and you know what I saw was it, it coming out of a timeout with a couple minutes to go, Davis and LeBron scored seven straight points, and they are probably the two most proven and talented superstar players in this series, and that's what they're going to do. So... I don't think anything was out of the ordinary here necessarily. I think without Chris Paul, the Suns offense just sputtered at the wrong time and and Davis and James made some shots. Is that is that kind of your read on it? I feel like that's it's kind of an expected outcome here. Yeah, I think this is the whole it goes goes back to like just the Lakers have the best two players in the series and um you know that's what, that's what great players do. They take over when it matters most and um you know, grind it out. And, you know, some of the calls Davis is getting were a little questionable, especially uh, early on, you know, and 
that's another thing that was my main concern is uh, how are they going to respond to foul trouble? And, you know, Aiden, I think, you know, he played as well as you could as far as like trying to, you could tell he was trying to avoid picking up those, those fouls like midway through the game. Uh, and then Crowder was just completely taken out of rhythm. So I think that really uh, hurt him early and you could tell it carried over throughout the game there until the end. But um, yeah, I think just the, the top heavy, like two, two man game of the Lakers just uh, put them over the top in this one. And, you know, the Suns need someone to step up at the end of the day, because it's, you know, if Chris Paul's not Chris Paul, then, you know, if it's just, you know, Aiton and Booker and, you know, campaign having a big game, you're going to need more than that. So, um, you know, I'm looking specifically at Mikel Bridges, I think offensively, he needs to um, assert himself a little bit more. And um, I would have liked to see them get Cam Johnson involved more as well. So um, there's, it's, it's going to take a committee to beat this team. It's, it's never been about, you know, one or two players, like as a team, they just have to outplay them. And that's the only way you're going to win. Yeah, well, definitely, I definitely have more on Mikhail for that closing segment because he just hasn't really been there in either game, uh, offensively especially. But honestly, I don't think we felt him defensively the same way we normally do either. And and so we'll have more on him. I think the the conversation everybody's having coming out of this game, though, of course, is for the most part about Chris Paul. Uh, did start the game, you know, Dwayne Rankin and Kent Summers over at the Republic had it that it was just a stinger. I was pretty hesitant to really buy that. I, I, I kind of felt like that was a strategic leak to say, you know, he's not as severe as you might think. But as with most sports, uh, it, it when they got on the court, it showed itself. It didn't really matter what the public uh, message was. And he was clearly not ready to compete at a high level. And by the third quarter, fourth quarter, he was pulled from the game permanently. Monty said post-game that decision was completely his, uh, Monty's himself as the coach, and just didn't feel comfortable leaving Paul out there. He said he was even noticing it when he was running, uh, the way he was just kind of hanging, you know, how his body was just operating was was off kilter. And he's Monty said even compared to what they saw at shoot around, like even just from the morning to the night, it looked worse after getting on the floor for a little while. So uh, what do you, what do you think Suns fans, but I mean, what do you think the the team can realistically expect to get out of Chris Paul? They do have an extra day between games three and four, but uh, it doesn't look like this thing is, is just going to kind of heal overnight at all. Yeah. Uh, like anytime you're dealing with a shoulder injury, it's tough because it's one of those things where even if you feel like everything's right, all it takes is one like small play to like re-aggravate it. So um, you have to be very careful. And you could tell Paul was definitely not like, I wouldn't even say he was like 50% of himself. He was probably like 30, 40% of his normal self. And, you know, that guy's a trooper. He's not going to like, he would have to be, uh, nearly dead for him to not play in a game as we've seen throughout his career. So, you know, I think um, that's just the stubbornness of him, like just wanting to play and, um, you know, he just didn't have it. And Monty saw that and, you know, pulling him for this game, I think was the right call and heading into to game three, it's, it's you have a tough decision to make. Like, like you mentioned, they have that extra day between uh, games three and four. So, you know, maybe you put all your eggs in the basket of taking game four, you know, getting Chris Paul back and uh, letting this team get their feet wet in game one on the road. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's it's a tough position to be in. I mean, because with a healthy Chris Paul, I think we're looking at a 2-0 Suns lead. And uh, it's just, it's really unfortunate. Just very, you know, just even being at the arena for, for game one, the second he went down, just like, this is Arizona sports, you know, uh, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have it any other way, but um, you just got to keep battling and, and fighting and hope that, you know, by later on in the series, he's back to his, his old self. Well, the guy who did bring the crowd alive tonight on Tuesday, game two was campaign. Uh, the, the stretch in that fourth quarter when the Suns ultimately did take the lead for a bit, I believe 91 to 90, they had it. And then maybe again after that, uh, they, they did it through their defense and mostly from, from pain enforcing, you know, getting in guys faces around half court, turning that into finally a few threes that were able to go down. And uh, I think you saw like, yes, it, it was also, it was the physical, I'm sure, Monty had a better read on the pain level and the just how much damage are we going to do to this guy by keeping him in versus taking him out and getting more out of him in the rest of the series. But I think it, it did get to a point where it was hindering the team. Uh, there was, you know, he couldn't even get a pass off out of a pick and roll. He's having to kind of underhand it to somebody. It, it wasn't yeah, going to work. And so, rough. Pain, pain being able to step in there was huge. And I think I think that is a legitimate question of, of if Payne should should just maybe get the start in game three or at the very least we see something like this where Paul is kind of a, an, an opener and a closer and that's it. I don't really know. I, I don't think you can necessarily tell Chris Paul that he's not going to play in a big game in a big game in a, in a playoff series, but he's not helping the team when he's playing that way. I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, he was definitely just used as a decoy and the Lakers knew it, you know, they, they wanted to put as much pressure as they could on him. Um, and you, you saw that he was just not comfortable. And especially with those Dario turnovers earlier, I thought in the first quarter, um, you know, getting that out of your point guard and Chris Ball, who rarely makes mistakes like that. Um, it just kind of piled up and put this team in a position they're not used to being. And that's just, um, losing the turnover battle, they got out rebounded and like really just out hustled. I think they got outworked most of this game and campaign was one of the few guys I thought that really rose to the occasion and they're going to need more than him to step up uh, with, with Paul, you know, playing like he is right now. Um, it's, it's tough. And I don't know who's going to, who it's going to be, but uh, it would help if Jay Crowder could, could find his rhythm and, you know, Mikel could hit some shots, but, um, ultimately it's just, like I said, it's going to be a team effort and just, I think the hunger needs to, to return because I just didn't feel that for, you know, the full 48 minutes, like we've seen, um, in other stretches of the season and it's a playoff. So, you know, we, we just need to see that intensity a little more consistently, I think. Yeah. Well, let's, let's hit some positives here real quick as well, because obviously they were in this game for most of it. And I think there's a lot of Good things that continued, uh, maybe even some new wrinkles of, of positivity here to pull from as well, starting with DeAndre Ayton. We'll talk about him right on the other side of a quick break. But first, another word from Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made just for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with Brandon and I, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. 
We host shows every single Friday at noon, which means you can finally get in on the conversation you listen to here every single week. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room every single day for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, just reacting to big news, games, and rumors. Be sure to join us this week, guys, on Friday at noon. Again, Fridays at noon, Talking Suns, getting your questions answered. Whatever, uh, wherever the topic brings us, I'm sure we will be talking about Game 3 plenty on this Friday. So go to download the app right now. It's uh, available on iOS devices as well as a beta on Android, so it's really available to everybody now. Create a profile, link your Twitter account, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. Follow me at BrendanClean14 to be notified when we go live. I know you won't want to miss it. Get those questions answered here about Game 3. Friday afternoons, guys. See you there. Locker room. Changing the way we talk sports. So starting with DeAndre Ayton, uh, 42 minutes. I think that's worth noting. 22 points, 11 of 13 from the field and 10 rebounds. Pretty similar performance to what we saw in game one, which I am really surprised by, frankly. I just, if you had told me we would get this level of play from DeAndre, uh, both of the first two games, I would have probably thought they would win both and they were pretty damn close to doing that. So uh, what did you see from him? We didn't talk after game one either. So uh, over the course of these first two, and it looks like it's going to continue. It doesn't look like the Lakers really have an answer for him with how much attention they're devoting to the Sun shooters and to Book and to Paul and all the rest, Aiton just keeps getting open. Yeah, he's done everything you could ask for from him. I mean, he's been really, really impressive. I think he's missed, what, three shots in these two games. So um, the efficiency is there, and he's doing what you need to, you know, punish the team when they try to double book or, you know, put a smaller guy on him. He's, he's done more than you can ask. And, you know, that move off the dribble, um, that reverse layup he had was, like, that was one of those moments where it's like, you know, is it finally coming together with him? He's like, he's so much quicker than most like traditional centers. And like, if he realizes he could put it on the deck like that consistently, it could just add such a, a different element to this offense. So I would love to see that more often. Um, but yeah, I can't say enough about how, you know, his energy has been. And especially in game one, those eight offensive rebounds, I think that was the difference. Um, and, you know, tonight just, you know, 11 for 13, he didn't get to the line, but he was still playing a lot more physical than that would indicate, I think. And uh, he played really smart with his fouls too. I, th I thought he was, you know, put in some situations where he could have easily, you know, picked up a, a tic-tac foul and, you know, gotten that fifth foul, but he just kind of stayed at four for um, quite a while. So overall it's been, I mean, you can't ask for anything more in his first two playoff games. What else did you like in this one? Uh, what stood out to you as far as stuff that the Suns built on from game one or just that you like that you feel like they can exploit uh, against the Lakers? I just like that they weren't as rattled as they could have been, um, especially for a younger team with Chris Paul on the bench. You know, campaign's energy was just contagious. And, um, you know, he, he just played his heart out. And that's something that, I think it shows it's it's going to be a long series, right? Like it's this team's not going to go down uh, without swinging. So, and I think the Lakers know that. And these next two games, I think, are uh, going to be huge because, like I said, you have to take home court back, and they have to play with that chip on their shoulder. So, uh, if campaign can just continue to play with that high motor and energy, 
I think they're going to be fine. They could they could take one of these games and head back to Phoenix 2-2. No, it's a great point. I don't think – I don't really care where the games are played almost in this series. Like the Suns, we all know they were the best road game road team in the league by two full games this season. Mm-hmm. I think uh, – I was listening to the post-game show with John Bloom on the way home. I think they're 17-4 and four this season after a loss – so LeBron's really good at, at doing that, especially in the playoffs. And that's a little bit of an advantage having seen him do it in the postseason so many times, but this Suns team has not been one to crumble. They've been at their best after disappointing losses. So I don't even think it, I mean, of course it matters, but like, first of all, the Suns have more fans in the building. So that from that perspective, the home court seems to favor them and I don't, I just really don't think that they mind playing on the road. I just don't think we've really seen any games this season where you point to it and you're like, Oh, you know, that really got to them being on being in a, in a different city. I just don't think it matters. I think you could easily see any Suns win both. They split them Lakers win both. Like, I don't really think it matters at all. Yeah. It's, you know, playing on the road, they've shown this year that they're not phased at all. Um, yeah, and it's a different animal, though, at the same time in the playoffs. Like, we'll see how they respond to those gut punches because, you know, the Lakers, you know, they're going to go on their runs. So, uh, but overall, like, I, honestly, offensively, the Lakers have not really impressed me. Um, they've gone to the line a decent amount, and that's that's part of their game plan is, you know, when you have two tanks like, you know, LeBron and AD, you're, you know, you can live with them settling for jumpers, and I thought they did that a lot in game one. And – I would love to see that, you know, more frequently. And that just starts with team defense. And I, I think Tory Craig, like the way Dario played today, I think Tory Craig needs to take those minutes. I don't care if they're undersized. Like they just need that, you know, that energy and that team defense to, to guard those guys. Um, so that's, that's like one adjustment I think we could see in game three. Um, but again, it just goes back to their lack of big man depth. If, if Aiden's not on the court, you know, the, the Lakers have taken advantage. So um, there, there's a lot of wrinkles, but overall, just, you know, finding a way to, to keep the series competitive on the road um, will be the goal. Yeah, the way that they were able to win in different moments when LeBron and Davis took or or sort of threatened to take control and the the Suns were able to bounce back. That was really huge. I mean, I I talked about it with Dwayne Rankin on Monday, uh, I guess the Tuesday show talking uh, just the stretch in the second quarter of game one, where I thought that it was starting to fall apart for the Suns. And then Booker has, it was, uh, I think it was like sort of after the, the Chris Paul injury and, and whatever. And, Booker had the block on Horton Tucker and then a dunk on the other end. And that felt like the big momentum shift in this one. And I thought the run that, that Payne led them on after in the third quarter, because they came out of the beginning of the third quarter and they were the Lakers. I mean, and they went straight to the, to the James Davis pick and roll. They got a lot of good offense out of that right away. And then all of a sudden just fell apart. Like the offense did not work. Shooter and Drummond kind of took control of things. That was when you saw Drummond miss that. Uh, that like kind of fadeaway hook against Aiton in that third quarter, like the offense fell off the rails. I agree with you. I'm not really scared. I don't think we have any reason to be scared of this Lakers offense. So if the Suns can just kind of keep at it, their offense has been, I think, generating better looks more consistently and they can do just enough on defense. And they've shown that Uh, one other thing I did want to shout out though, I expected 
the foul trouble to be more of a thing in this game. It definitely was. It was a little more even, but early on it was Crowder and Aiton getting into foul trouble. And then I also expected transition. I did not think the Lakers would let the Suns win the transition battle again. That came to fruition. Uh, the, the Lakers had 15 fast break points. Suns had 13 turnovers. I think five or six of those were in the first quarter. And so that, that all was expected to me. What I thought was impressive, though, that I wasn't necessarily expecting is that Booker would just so effortlessly handle the defensive switch-ups that the Lakers put on him. Like, we saw Drummond out on the perimeter a little more, getting a hand in his face. Same thing with Davis, not giving up the drive and the mid-range stuff that, that Booker really feasted on in the first game and it didn't matter he was still I mean he wasn't quite as good I don't think in this game his uh turnovers were still a little bit of a problem didn't get many assists and wasn't quite as efficient didn't make any threes but he was still reading and reacting and and kind of beating the Lakers defense more often than not despite them changing and I just feel like we're in a situation where the Lakers probably aren't going to be able to stop book from scoring 30 plus like he's done it against really, really aggressive schemes that are pretty much just sold out to stop him. So I don't see a way where they're going to get him out of his rhythm. I think this is going to be what we can expect. And that's really huge. It's his first playoff series ever. Yeah. And this is what Suns fans, like Suns fans have been preaching uh, for years now that his game is built for the playoffs. And so he's not a looter in a riot. Is that, is that, uh, yeah, I think is that what you're saying? It's safe to say that now um, between this and the bubble, we've kind of seen what he can do in these, uh, these high leverage games and situations. And uh, you know, his game is built for this. He's seen these doubles throughout his career. He knows how to counter it. And, you know, this game, I, I did think there are some moments where he was a little getting a little too caught up in the, you know, trying to draw fouls. Um, but that's, you know, that's just nitpicking. I think the main thing is other guys have to step up. And I, I said that earlier is just, if Booker's going to see that coverage, you know, you're going to need Mikel to be in the spots. You're going to need Cam to, to be ready to shoot. And, you know, just um, ending that third quarter, those, those two threes that Cam hit, it looked like it was going to build some momentum for him. And, you know, after that, he kind of, I don't think he took a shot after that. You know, I, I could be wrong. He might've had one, but um, just things like that, just trying to go to the man that's hot in, in those situations and, you know, trying to, to to ride that would be ideal whenever Booker's getting that type of coverage. But um, yeah, someone someone's gonna have to step up, and then campaign did, did tonight. But it can't just be one guy. So um, we'll see. Yeah i I think it's been hard for either team to keep momentum. Like I was kind of saying the same thing you just said about the Suns about the Lakers, where I was like. They got good stuff out of Davis and James in that pick and roll to open the third. And then it was like, where did that go? They Nobody in the whole NBA can defend that when you guys are going to it often. Why are you not doing that? Um, so I think the same can be said for the Suns where they had a, they've been having a hard time. And I think part of that's not having Paul. Like he can set guys yeah, up definitely. if he feels that. He has a better sense for that, right? But uh, let's actually stick with Booker when we're talking about adjustments. We'll do that right on the other side of a quick break. But first, a word from Bilt Bar the second sponsor of today's show and my favorite protein bar on the planet. Making my way through that double chocolate box. I know I've talked up double chocolate to you guys for weeks now, but there's also fruit flavors as well. If you don't always love the heavy of the dark chocolate or, or, or peanut butter or things like that, uh, cherry, raspberry, there's mint, there's caramel. So really something for everybody. And all of them have the same delicious taste, the same 
chocolate around each and every bar and low calorie, high protein around 130, 150 or so calories and 15 to 20 grams of protein. The perfect mix there where you're not going to get bogged down with something too heavy, but you're also getting the protein you need to kind of rebuild and, and get back going out on your day before a workout, after a workout, just to keep you going. Whatever it is, Built Bar is perfect with that light pick-me-up. And I love them. They're delicious. They really, really are. Uh, we do not just say that. Uh, that's that's the best part about them. Um, most of these protein bars, I feel like you eat them as a meal replacement. You eat them when you're working out. You just kind of do it to get the, the nutrients you need. But Built Bar actually tastes really good. It's a delicious snack on top of everything else. So go to BuiltBar.com. Try it for yourself. Use the promo code LOCK15. And you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show also is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We forgive BetOnline for underestimating the Suns in this series. It's okay. They were actually a little closer with the odds than most places, giving the Lakers just, I think it was like plus 148 or something heading in to the series that the Suns were. And I think uh, it, it, it's hopefully adjusted since then. You have all of your NBA playoffs odds, series um, prices. You have game by game money lines and, and spreads and all the rest, prop bets. There's still some award stuff because that has not fully gotten announced yet. So it's your one-stop shop for NBA action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the game as teams run toward the championship. Head to betonline.ag on the web or on their mobile app. Make an account. Use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Again, on the web at betonline.ag or on their mobile app, make an account, use the promo code locked on when you make the first deposit and get a 50% welcome bonus on top of that deposit straight to your account. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Closing out the show with some look ahead toward game three on Thursday night, also on TNT in Los Angeles, of course. And Brandon, I feel like I, I was talking about Booker. The first place that I would want to start there is it's it's again, it does feel like a little bit of a nitpick, but I talked about this with Mike Prada heading into the playoffs when it felt like the Lakers might be the matchup here. And he he really locked into the need for Booker to be a pull-up three threat. We saw that with Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell break out last year because they could hit that shot consistently. We see Dame and Steph and all these guys, Luca, Harden, do that consistently. And Book. All three of his threes were that type of shot, and he missed them all pretty badly. Um, not to say that the Suns can't win if he doesn't do that, but it seems like he knows that that's a way to break this defense, and he just can't make them. What, what do you make of, of that dynamic? Yeah, I mean, throughout his career, that's kind of been that next step for him, I think, of going from being – like he's already an elite scorer. We know that. But to make that leap up to that MVP level score where it's like, this guy's going to get 30 plus every night consistently. It starts with that pull up three. So uh, it, it really is a game breaker and there's nights where he has it and, but it's, it's too like few and far in between. And um, you know, where he really kills you just that mid range and it, like just a tough shot making. So um, <clears throat> there's still definitely value in that, but I think just a more consistent threat from deep would really, um, obviously benefit the Suns and, and make him virtually uh, even more unguardable than he already is. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, back-to-back 30-point games in your first two playoff games, he's one of three players in NBA history to do that. So 
the fact that he's doing that um, without the consistent pull-up three uh, just goes to show you that I don't even think we're seeing close to like what prime Devin Booker is going to look like yet because he will figure it out. It's, it's just a matter of time. And I think uh, just figuring out how to, you know, get in his rhythm off the bounce is, is going to be huge. Yeah. One more thing on book and it, it goes into what you were saying about just the mentality. It's not really an adjustment, but it's something I, I wanted to shout out. And I, I meant to in the last segment is, you could tell like every every call that went the Suns way, every big play, momentum changing play that that team had, every anything, loose ball, whatever. He was the first guy in the referee huddle uh, picking up the ball and getting the game moving, you know, giving his teammates love. Like he was really like the emotional center of the team. And I don't feel like it's been that way all season. I feel like he looked like Chris Paul. He looks like he took that role. Like that's what Chris Paul normally does. Right. And he kind of took those shoes. Wasn't it awesome to see? I mean, it just feels like in a lot of moments, I feel like it was the opposite where Booker was kind of the, like if, if he started to let his emotions get the best of him, then the it trickled down to the team. It's kind of been the opposite where he's like, no, like we're, we're, we're not getting distracted. We have a mission right now, and it's to win games. Yeah, I think that competitive fire, like he's wanted to be in the playoffs his entire career, and now he's here, and he's not going to waste a second. And I think uh, defensively, we've seen that too. Just the way he's fighting is uh, noticeably different. And we've seen it in stretches throughout you know, this season and even last season where you know, we know we can play defense. It's just about you know effort and uh, that competitive edge where it's like, he's not going to lose a one-on-one battle like more often than not. Um, and even off ball, he's like more engaged. So, you know, he's just someone that wants to win and you're, I think Chris Paul's impact, not only is trickled down to him, but just, you know, what you saw a campaign do today, you know, just seeing Chris Paul in his ear all game, like that's, you got to give him some credit for that too. Yeah. It been, book's been incredible. I mean, uh, exceeded expectations by far, in his first couple of playoff games and it it is nitpicking, but I just think if, if we see even one game where he hits those consistently, it really could be a game changer. But like you said, somebody else is going to need to step up, especially if Chris Paul either does not play or continues to be hampered by that injury, which seems pretty likely. So uh, we saw, like you said, campaign do that tonight, but I think he, that's almost a given. He has to do that because if he's taking the Chris Paul uh, load a little bit, then well, okay. That's a guy who we expected to be a big contributor. So pain doing that is, is almost built into the equation and it needs to be one of these other guys. I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I'm looking at Mikhail and not only in this game, but last game as well, just offensively really not much of a factor whatsoever. And he didn't even play much in this game. Uh, checked it. He missed the whole fourth quarter until the final two minutes. If I'm remembering correctly, maybe he was in to start it and, and then left, but uh, he missed most of crunch time. Monty didn't have him in there. Cam Johnson was in the game. So what's not right with him and and what do you think uh what do you think needs to change if he's going to have a big a big game offensively i think uh part of it for this game specifically was just it was really choppy and we've seen him in the past get in a rhythm like in transition there just wasn't really those leak outs where you know he can get that easy bucket and get that confidence going he had a couple threes but overall he just never he never looked comfortable or confident out there so I think he's one of those players where confidence is everything for him. Uh, same with Cam Johnson. So I, I really do think they need to try to find a way to push the pace a little bit more, um, especially if Paul's out. And, 
you know, campaign was doing that, but you know, it, it just comes down to being more aggressive and looking to be a threat. And I, I just don't think he's, you know, specifically looked to get his own shot. He's just kind of been a little passive, which, you know, it's, it's his first playoff series and, you know, he's, he's still pretty young. So uh, I expect him to, to bounce back. I, I think, you know, he's, he's built for this, but um, at the same time, his game's never been really being that creator. Uh, so at the very least, he just needs to let it fly with confidence and, and uh, not get too rattled and just keep, you know, the, the smart off ball cutting going and just finding little ways to impact the game just uh, from just being an opportunistic score. And yeah, I don't know. I think he'll be fine, but he needs to have one of those, you know, five for seven from three games to kind of get that uh, the juices flowing a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you. I would bet on him having a big one in one of these games on the road. Feels like he's not going to let himself be this disappointing for this long. He was really down on himself after game one, and I was kind of expecting the bounce back to happen tonight. Uh, he just, you know, said like, "I got the, I got the, the silly layup misses out of the way after game one when we were talking with him." And he, uh, I, I just, he made his threes. Like he, he was two of four. He got, he got some open looks, made them for the most part, but. Yeah, just it's not even asking him to do anything he's not already doing. It's kind of just like, you know, take the shots you've been taking all season. And and it seems like he's passing some of those up, not really looking and seeking out opportunities for himself. But especially if if Paul looks like this or doesn't play, then you're going to just need everybody to be aggressive, really up and down the entire roster. I think another another factor in that uh, and another player who really feasts on rhythm is Dario Saric, uh, who we talked about a minute ago. Um it sounds like you might be on the train with some fans I've seen online of like, maybe he shouldn't really be playing. What what do you think there? Cause Aiden can't play 48 minutes. So there needs to be something else. And there's also foul trouble if, if that comes into play again. So I don't know of a way for Sharch to not play, but I also agree with you. The minutes have been really ugly. Yeah. I think it's tough to, it's a tough ask to have Tory Craig guard, like Marcus Holler, Andre Drummond. So I get why. Sarge is getting these minutes, but at the same time, like, I just don't, he hasn't shown me anything to where I think I'd rather just take the beat down in the interior and just have Torrey Craig out there uh, doing what he does, providing energy than, than what he's given us at this point. And, you know, we've seen when Dario is not confident, he's kind of just a, a net negative and that's so far what it's the case has been. So, um, I do think he'll get another chance, but if he's, if he's not producing again, game three, then we could see a little bit of a shorter leash. And I think, like I said, I think Torrey Craig really needs to get a chance. He's, he's someone that, you know, while he's going to give you an undersized, you know, center, it's, it's better than, uh, than what they've been getting at this point. So, you know, he got five minutes today and he's, he's only one or no, there's him and campaign are the only ones with the positive, uh, you know, plus minus, I believe. So, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's five minutes. Crowder, too. Oh, Crowder, Crowder, actually, yeah. did, which, which, is, which is surprising. Very surprising. <laughs> I think it shows that when he left the game with foul trouble early, that's when the Lakers made a run. I, I would yeah. guess that that's probably what decided that. But, uh, yeah, with, with Sharch, I think Monty's just genuinely worried about the, the boards. And you said it at the top, like, the, even with – charge playing 15 minutes when Aiton wasn't in there the Lakers out rebounded the Suns by eight the the Suns did not have the offensive glass 
success that they had in game one. And I felt like you just kind of felt Drummond a little bit more in this game. This was a better night for him than, than game one was. He uh, had he out-rebounded Aiton, which didn't really happen in the first game. So I think that's a genuine concern. The problem is, the problem is that Aiton, I think, is he's your best he's your best option on Davis, and he's also your best option on the centers, right? Like you want him in there in every situation, so it's hard to find moments where you're like, okay, you know, we actually like the the way that Sharich fits here, or you know. So I think that's that's part of the problem. What do you think? I I don't pers- I don't really like this idea, but there is obviously the potential of going to Frank. Do you see any? role for him here is that would that be a a potential solution i don't think so i i think i just he's gonna get toasted right i mean yeah lebron's gonna see him on the floor and just his eyes are gonna get all big like it's not gonna it's not gonna go well yeah i I don't think that would end well for frank um yeah i like i said i think craig really needs to get a shot you need to make teams adjust to you instead of you know just trying to play big and if, if Andre Drummond's the reason you're losing, then, you know, so be it. I, I can live with that. I think, you know, they need to try to punish the Lakers for going big because that's what teams have done in the past. And, you know, we've seen Drummond get played off the floor. So, you know, play him off the floor. I think that's a better strategy than playing uh, Frank Kaminsky. So, yeah. But, I mean, if, if Dario is still struggling and they, they really, you know, want to match the size, it's, it's something I could see Monty experimenting with just depending on how things go early on. So, you know, we've seen, he's not afraid to make adjustments on the fly. So if Frank comes in and a failure, then he could quickly, you know, try something else, but uh, sure. who knows, maybe Frank comes in and surprises us. You know, I, I'm not going to roll that out. He's, he's, had uh, some, he's had his moments this year, but uh, I'd prefer for him to stay on that bench. Um, I'm going to need a doctor with me. If Frank Kaminsky appears on the floor, I brought it up. I know I brought it up, but I'm just more like there it's, it's that kind of thing at this point with those non eight minutes are are really an issue. Montrose Harold didn't even play. That was predictable. That guy is not a playoff player, but um, Marcus soul played and and he had some success against Dario as far as making Dario defend in space. So there's not an easy solution. We've known this all year. The Suns need a backup big man. That's not news to anybody. Um, but I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see. I agree with you on Craig. I think it's an interesting wrinkle to try out. Jay Crowder, you know, kind of in there with him, both of those guys switching off big man duties. We will see. Uh, we'll see what comes of that. But yeah, I don't think Frank is a solution. I don't think he gives you anything Dario doesn't give you is the problem. So like if, if he was a different sort of player, like I would even say if Damian Jones was still on this team, like give it a, give it a whirl, who knows, but Kaminsky's just kind of a, he, his skills and his strengths are so similar to Sharich and his weaknesses are, are pretty similar too. Um, okay. Last thing, if you have anything else here that you're looking for in game three, you will not be with us until game three. Whereas I have a whole nother show to yammer on. So let me know what you have. Otherwise we can wrap up here. I'd really like to see them try to get uh, Cam Johnson more involved. I think, you know, he played 27 minutes and he took four shots. They're all threes. But the fact that he hit those two, I was, I was really expecting a big, you know, fourth or at least, you know, some heat checks, but um, I would like to see them design plays for him specifically off movement, just because you're going to need new looks uh, with Paul, not hundred percent. You're going to need like a, a different weapon. So I could see that being something they try to utilize, but um, at the end of the day, I think just 
transition is a key. And uh, I know they had more fast break points than the Lakers in this game. Um, but I think that needs to increase even more with just with, with Paul out and trying to just get that clunky basketball out of the way because the Lakers are good at winning those ugly games. So, um, yeah, I think just, you know, pushing the tempo, trying to get your, your shooters and their, your young guys comfortable and in a rhythm is ultimately going to be the key. I completely agree. I was going to say that as you brought up Cam. I think the same goes for Mikhail. Yeah, Those guys are both very effective transition weapons. We know they can leak out. We, we've seen these Cam Johnson dunks come out of nowhere in those situations. They can slash. They're fast. At four forwards for wing guys, they, they're quick. They're young. They're spry. They can space the floor there. They can you know, go to the corners as, as Book or, or Payne handles the ball in transition like I think that's a way to unlock both of them and juice your offense a little bit together we saw it at the beginning of game one the Lakers really took control of the tempo in game two so uh, I think that'll be another right from the opening tip that's going to be something to watch is who wins the tempo game and who can get some easy offense that first quarter has been the the biggest offensive quarter in both games now for the winning team and I think that's not a coincidence so uh, something to watch for there. I think Cam Johnson will play a lot more in general if Chris Paul does not play because you're going to need offense. And Cam did an okay job against LeBron. He actually defended him quite a bit in this game, and I don't think he was too terrible. So uh, I, I do think we'll see some more minutes for him, and I think we could see a bigger game for him as well. All right, that'll do it for us, guys. Uh, you can, again, check out Brandon's work. I'm sure you'll be writing about the series over at Bright Side of the Sun. And we will be back tomorrow with you guys um, talking more adjustments. I'm not sure. I'm going to get a guest. I don't know who it'll be. And then you can check out Brandon and I on Friday with more thoughts after game three um, at noon on Locker Room. So that closes us out. Do not be too down. 1-1. The season is not over. Chris Paul is alive still, contrary to what it seems like for some of you. And I expect him to play at least a couple more games in this series. So do not despair and enjoy your Wednesday.